Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, as we've walked through this series on Advent, it's been interesting to note the different stations that we've stopped at to explore, uh, to examine, and really to kind of learn from what Christ really meant when he expressed these specific things. What is hope? What is love? What is joy? And today, what is peace? This is probably something you already know, but there are many different types of gift exchanges when it comes to the Christmas season. Perhaps you've been involved in more than one. There are white elephant gift exchanges, which can be exciting and discouraging all at the same time when you get that gift and then somebody steals it from you, right? You've been there before? You don't steal. This is church, I know. If you'd have gone to the senior adult ministry thing when they did their gift exchange last week, you'd have seen some stealing. And uh, There are uh, peaceful gift exchanges where you go and the family sits or the friends sit around a tree or in a nice cozy spot and they each bought for one person and they give the gift, something heartfelt directly for that person and everybody opens one at a time and you all ooh and ah over each of those things. And then there are gift exchanges like the one that I experienced growing up every Christmas Eve. After we would go to our Christmas Eve service at the church and we would light the candles and oftentimes we would take communion and we'd have this very peaceful moment, we would drive just a few miles down the road to my grandmother's house where my entire extended family from my dad's side would gather together for a gift exchange that would include throwing wrapping paper, chanting over and over again with the kids, it's time for the presents, let's get going. It would include uh, probably more joke gifts than real gifts under the tree. And ultimately in all of it, it would include a lot of laughs, uh, like I already said, a a fight with uh, wrapping paper and boxes, and simply just a time of excitement as we all got to see each other and gathered in one place on an annual basis. The joke gifts were an interesting part of this, and I didn't know that joke gifts were a thing for a long time until I received seven toothbrushes one year from my uncle, each one wrapped up in a toy box that I thought was going to be amazing, a remote control car being one that I was so excited about to open up and find yet another toothbrush. And I remember thinking to myself, man, these joke gifts, this is kind of fun to give, but not necessarily very fun to receive. And as the years went on, joke gifts would increase and we'd get each other different things, sometimes from an old girlfriend or sometimes from somebody that was even there, but obviously they didn't wrap it up. And the, the, the goal became trying to figure out what wrapping paper came from which house or even asking some of the younger kids to try to tell on their parents, right? Uh, did your mom or dad bring this? And sometimes they would come clean not knowing that they weren't supposed to. And as I got older, I realized it was, it was fun to participate in the creative joke gift giving. And so one year specifically, I found a rubber snake in, uh, in my toys. 
And I had heard before that grandma was very scared of snakes or she didn't like snakes. And I thought, how hilarious would it be to wrap up a rubber snake and give it to grandma from Indiana Jones, also scared of snakes. I mean, this is so funny. This stuff, you can't make it up, right? And so I wrapped up this joke gift and put it under the tree with the rest of them, kind of snuck it in there. And as the evening went on, the the gifts were being passed out and they were being opened. And I remember specifically glancing over at my sister, who was the only other person who knew about the gift, who gave me the nod like, yeah, that's a good idea, which she probably wouldn't admit to this day. And when the gift was given to grandma, she looked over at me like, are you watching? And I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. And all at one moment, as grandma opened this gift, this loud scream And this box flew across the room. Grandma didn't just not like snakes. She was deathly scared of snakes. And I can tell you right now, in all honesty, that my first action was to get up, go sit by grandma, rub her back. And from my aunts and uncles and everybody else, they thought, oh, wow, what a wonderful thing. That's so nice that that Steve was so willing to go over and comfort grandma. Until one of my cousins said, well, he's the one that gave it to her. We kind of settled down, but I can tell you right now, in the midst of looking at hope, in the midst of looking at love, in the midst of looking at joy, and in the midst of looking at peace, none of those things existed in that moment. As we embrace peace, we recognize that we live in a world where the snake has been opened, where peace has subsided, where despair and discouragement continue to rear their ugly head. And many cases in this world, specifically now, even in the season of Christmas, of joy and hope and excitement and love and giving and family, all of those things, Satan simply finds a way in many cases to drive in a wedge, to discourage and to tear us down and to bring us into a place of darkness. So what does peace really look like? Certainly you and I know sometimes Christmas is not always peaceful, and sometimes peace comes in different forms. Peace can find itself in a song. Specifically for me, I I like the movie Home Alone. This time of year, I'll watch it a couple of times. And there's one part specifically, and probably not the traps like you're expecting, but there's one part specifically that I really enjoy, and it's the time when Kevin, the main character, goes into the church and you're like, oh yeah, pastor, whatever, okay. Kevin goes to church, yeah, okay. But I like it when he goes in, and I like it when he has this conversation, but not because of the conversation. I like the song that they're singing. There's a choir of kids that are practicing, and they're singing a song, Oh Holy Night. And I love that song. In fact, I've rewound that part of the movie before and watched it more than once in one sitting. Because that song brings peace. That song brings light to this understanding of what happened that initial Christmas morning and beyond. Every time beyond when we experience peace, we do so with the reflection of the coming of the king. We do so with the answer, with with the purpose, and, and, and with the result of the coming of the king. If you're a note taker, the first note is this. Noel is defined as good news, as we talked about with the hope of good news, as Christmas, which is this wonderful, loving moment, as birthday, which is specifically what joy is about, and then finally, a Christmas carol. 
That Christmas carol is one that you've heard before, one that we've sang specifically several different renditions throughout the course of this series, and that Christmas carol is Noel. And it's interesting, I had some of the guys this morning joking around that the first Noel we're doing on the last week of Advent, and I don't know what to say about that. But what I will say is maybe in some regards, Jesus in this case is saving the best for last. This recognition that, a, a, that, that Christmas Carol is defined as a joyful hymn, a religious song celebrating the peace through the birth of Christ. And so this week we highlight peace, but we also ask, how do we find peace? How do I find peace? In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the stress, in the midst of the weather, in the midst of the noise, in the midst of the busyness and all the things on our to-do list, how do we find peace? It's interesting to note that in the nativity story, there are some that are specifically finding themselves in the same place we are. In fact, the shepherds asked the same question, how do we find peace in the midst of this new word that we found, in the midst of the, 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 the mundane we're in, and then this, this huge thing that's taken place, and then the journey before us, where do we go to find peace? What direction do we follow? Where does this source come from? Advent is specifically in and of itself this, this context of recognizing that we are longing for something new. We are, we are anticipating this, this new thing to come. And the shepherds would have been part of this specific backstory of understanding that the Messiah was to come. And they were living in an Advent moment. What Christmas story would, would be complete without recognizing the shepherds in the nativity scene, Right? And if you have one of those really nice nativity scenes at home, you've got the, the sheep with the shepherd, right? What an amazing thing. The, the, the unlikely recipients of God's promise, those that were out in the field. Let's talk just a moment about shepherds before we read today's key passage. Just, just for, for us to understand the context of why the shepherds were included, it's interesting to note that most of us, as we look at the reputation of shepherds, we believe that they were outcasts, that they were people that just kind of lived out there, they were uneducated, they didn't matter. But in essence, the reality is that they were loyal truth-tellers. In many cases, if you wanted somebody, if you wanted to tell a story, if you wanted to tell a lie, so to speak, to someone, you wouldn't tell the shepherds because they wouldn't twist it. They would give the truth. They would give the reality of what actually took place. Additionally, shepherds were actually looked upon as loyal, good people. Historically, we see that Abraham, David, Jacob, and even Jesus is called the good shepherd. They were simple, they were humble, they were honest, they were reliable. And we find them in Luke chapter 2, doing all of these things, working hard, being reliable, beginning in verse 8. And if you want to read along, it'll be on the screen, or you can pull it up on your smart device, or if you have your Bible with you, I'll be reading from the NIV. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Things change in a hurry. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news, and I will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's a little bit longer than what we say around Easter. I had somebody even this morning talk about this concept that we've, we've reflected upon here as a church as he is risen, he is risen, and then the response is he is risen indeed. Maybe this Christmas we, we do this, glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, uh, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then you would say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests indeed. Yeah, are we good with that? All right, we'll do some memorizing. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Is that not amazing? Is that not incredible, the the reality of how God chose to bring forth this truth, to, to, to enlighten these individuals? You know, at the same time, it might be puzzling. Why choose them? Why Why add this in? Why record this? You might have realized this, but there's this craze. uh, There's two, actually, specifically when it comes to children being added to the fold. There are these things called birth announcements, and there's these other things called uh, a gender reveal. Anybody seen or been part of these before? And when they first started, you would see a birth announcement. It might be an older child wearing a t-shirt that just says, I'm going to be a big brother in December of 2022, right? And now it seems like people are renting hot air balloons and they're, 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 they're getting space or they're getting a, 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 a seat on a space shuttle so they can ride it on the moon or, or for a gender reveal, they're doing fireworks, all these different types of things. And I love the fact that God says, you know what, those are really nice, but let me just, let me just send you an army of, of, of heavenly hosts to come and to sing about the coming of the king. What, a, what an amazing announcement it is, the, the reality that God says, okay, you know what? I don't want to just hand it to you in a scroll. I don't want to just kind of whisper this. I don't want it just to be something that leaks out. I want this huge announcement to, be, to, be, uh, to fill the sky. And the sound of this glorious choir singing and praising the one who was born. The invitation here is interesting too because it doesn't go to the rich and famous. He didn't go to the king. He didn't go to the, to the leader of, the, of the, the, the armies. Instead, he went to the lowly shepherds out in the field. God once again goes against the grain and says, you know what, why shepherds? Because I'm trying to tie things together. The, the patriarchs of Israel with the, the contemporaries of the day. And at the same time, I want others to recognize the fact that Jesus is literally the Lamb of God, the shepherd and the Lamb coming together. And most of all, God's announcement of his birth, the announcement of Jesus to the shepherds is to remind us that God's favor is not based on human merit or human standards, not on class or position or occupation, but on God's purpose. And designed to bring good news that brings peace to all people. 
Have you ever felt like Christmas isn't for you, right? Have you ever felt like this, this, this birth, this, this, this Jesus coming is just kind of a story that's taking place over here and you're on the outside just kind of watching? Well, Jesus' intention or God's intention to bring the shepherds the news was this reflection and this, this doubling down of saying, hey, this isn't just for those people that deserve it. This is for all of us who don't deserve it for this recognition that God has granted each person ever created in the image of God to be able to experience and to know him through the person of Jesus. That's your gift. This birth announcement is for you. It changes your life just as much as anyone else. The shepherds also lead us to this uh, interesting insight or some specific insights that intersect with the peace that God grants us. Anybody in here a camper? Anybody ever camped before? I've heard recently, or I heard a while ago, I should say, and I heard it again recently, that there's no such thing as just a, 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 an unhappy camper. You always say it's a, a, this is a happy camper. And, and the person that I, I heard this from said, why even call the person a happy camper sarcastically? Because really, anytime you're camping, you're kind of in the same boat. So just call them a camper, right? The joke didn't make sense. I get it. It made sense when I thought about it. It's interesting that when I was younger, we used to go camping a lot. And, and whenever we went camping, you could almost set your watch to it. It was going to rain. It was going to storm. It was going to pour and, dr- and, and, and uh, drown the tent. And things were going to have to be moved to the car. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily knocking those who go in a camper. I think glamping is, is a fun thing, but it's a total different animal when it comes to weathering the storm. And the reality is this, that the hurricanes come, the tornadoes come, the storms come when we least expect them. And if you're following along in your note guide, the the first point is this, peace arrives in the midst of our storms. Peace arrives in the midst of our storms. Peace arrived for Moses as he was standing there attempting to try to bring his people out of, out of bondage. Peace arrived when Job was sitting in ruins, having everything taken from him. Peace arrived for Paul when he was in prison for sharing the gospel. Peace arrived for Mary and Joseph. And this generational anticipation when these couple came forward, oppressed by the rulers, They saw the stormy weather and they still marched into it and did what God had called them to do. If we're being honest, we might choose words rather than these specific storms, more specifically as busyness, being hectic or frantic or describing our lives this time of year. We might say that, you know, we're overloaded. Our schedules have so much going on that it robs us of the peace that we should be enjoying during this season. Or maybe sometimes it comes in a different way. Maybe it's relational conflict or pressure at work or the loss of a job. Maybe the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's an illness or a physical affliction. You name it because the Spirit brought it to your mind, your heart in this moment as well. We have plenty of options to choose from this year. We have plenty of options to choose from in this season. And for many of us, peace sounds like something that's not attainable. It sounds like something that's a long way off, just a good idea, something that, that wow, the, the holidays or the Hallmark movies, they kind of, they, they make this look so good, but I have never experienced or I can't experience this thing. It's not attainable. If this is where you find yourself today, let me encourage you, Jesus shows up when the storms of life threaten to take your hope, your love, 
your joy and your peace. Jesus shows up in times that are unlikely. Jesus shows up in a moment in a field where shepherds are standing there in the mundane, going about their business and says, I've got something else. And that something else isn't a to-do list. That something else isn't something for, for you to add to your calendar. No, that something else is a person, a presence, a peace that we can't earn, that we can't bring forth, that we can't create. Instead, it's something we receive, and that's the greatest gift, which is Jesus. He's there with us when, when love seems lost. He's there with us to take us forward. This is where God appears. In fact, it is his specialty. I mean, we look at a, a situation like Moses, right? You, you see Moses' story and all the things that he was able to do, and he finds himself being obedient to God, drawing all of the nation, all of those that are in bondage, all of God's chosen people out of Egypt. And as they leave Egypt, they find themselves with this barrier before them, this physical barrier of this, this, this giant red sea, this body of water. And as they stand there, they think, okay, well, how are we going to get around this? And then to add insult to injury, they turn around and the greatest force, the greatest army on the planet that the world has ever seen is bearing down upon them. And Jesus says, or God says, you know what? This is the storm to which I will now intervene. I will show you my power. I will show you my might. I will show you my compassion. I will show you my presence. And through that presence, the peace was received as the sea was parted and this, this, this nation of people were able to cross through on dry ground and once again see the mighty hand of God that supersedes the circumstances in our lives and the things that we walk through and says, here is the peace that I give. In all the struggles and all the things that seem hopeless, God showed up. In all the struggles in your life, in all the things that seem hopeless in your life, God can and will show up. In our confusion, in our grief, in our loss, in our uncertainty, peace arrives in the midst of the storm. And I have to imagine in a, in a, in a, uh, in a room this size and with those that are even joining online that there are some thoughts of, okay, great pastor, that's great to say, and it sounds good, and I hope that takes place, but you don't know how much this hurts. You don't know what I've been walking through. You don't know the, the, the grief I have right now. You don't understand in the midst of all the things. I don't know how God's peace is even going to be felt or seen or experienced. And that brings us to the second point, and that is this, that peace defies the circumstances of life. Peace defies the, the logical circumstances that we have, the things that we think about in life, the things that, that, that concretely make sense. Peace goes beyond those. And, and the things that we note, the things that we think we know, God turns those upside down. The Apostle Paul describes it like this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Remember that last week we talked about this is the verb form. Uh, this is the action form uh, of experiencing and, and living in joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Amen? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
That doesn't sound logical. That doesn't sound like something that, some self-help. That doesn't sound like something that we just kind of can do or we experience in this world. That sounds like peace that only God can give. Peace that defies our circumstances. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And this concept of prayer is an interesting one because it's also a gift. It's an opportunity for us to be able to come into God's presence, to be able to engage with Him in a personal, personal way. And prayer isn't just a a checklist of things that we want where we say, God, give me this, 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 and this. And he says, okay, you're on, you know, the nice list. You're good. I'll give you whatever you want. No, in many cases, what prayer does is it aligns us to be in the will and the understanding of God. Peace, or excuse me, prayer brings us to a place where we can experience the peace that God wants us to experience because we're not settled on the things around us, but instead we're settled on the person and the presence of the Most High God. I often say this, and I often thank God in prayer for this, that that there are two things specifically that are so amazing about our God that can bring real and lasting peace. The first one is that He's a good God. And that goodness is is the, the, the business that He is in. It is the way that He presents Himself. It's the thing that He brings into this fallen and broken world. He is the source of all things good. And the other thing, which is just as amazing, is that He is all powerful. And as the all-powerful God, he has the power to be able to make change, the power to be able to step in, the power to be able to bring newness and to make dead, spiritually dead things new and alive. You know, if he was just good and, and, and that was all he was about, we'd say, well, that's nice. We're glad that you're good. Thanks for patting us on the back, but there's really nothing you can do. And if he was just all-powerful, then certainly there would be an opportunity for evil to creep in. But because of the fact that he is both of those things, you and I can experience his peace. We can live even in the midst of storms, even in the midst of the circumstances that we have in peace because he is good and he is all-powerful. And then finally, this third thing is this, and this is kind of where it all comes together. Peace is a person. You know, we try to define this thing, peace. It's not just some mystical thing that's out there. It's personified through Jesus. It is a person. Now, this time of year, I don't know if you watch a, a lot of the, the, uh, the, the traditional Christmas shorts on TV. There, there, there's the Grinch, and there's, uh, well, there's the Grinch, and I know of the Grinch. Oh, there's also Charlie Brown Christmas. And you're like, oh, yeah, duh, why not that one, right? And I think that there's a, a part in Charlie Brown Christmas that brings forth a truth that certainly is far beyond all other Christmas movies, Christmas shorts. In fact, permit me to share a few lines from this Christmas uh, short, Charlie Brown Christmas. It begins with Charlie. It says, I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I don't really know what Christmas is about. Isn't there anyone who understands what Christmas is all about? And in this, we see Charlie Brown's plight, and perhaps you've been there before, I can't do anything right, right? We see him kind of just walking along, sad, and we, we, we have this whole vision, this whole picture of the Christmas is just ruined, it's just destroyed, and Charlie Brown is at the heart of it, and he's just the worst thing ever, and Linus pipes up, and Linus the unlikely character to share this, perhaps the shepherd of this specific story, he says, sure, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. <clears throat> And he goes like this, lights please. I got it. And there were in this same country shepherds abiding in the fields. 
keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy with which to all people. For unto you this born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall not find the wrapped, you shall find the wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And there it was with the angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts. And God's saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth will goodwill toward men. And then this line, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. You may have heard this poetic shared passage from Linus. Thank you, there's my assistant. Cover back up, I know you're cold. You may have heard this from Linus before, but it's not original to him. In fact, this poetic saying is actually inspired by the Gospel of Luke by the truth that God has given us in his word, by this recognition that what is Christmas all about? Christmas is not about all the things we see, the shopping, and even getting together with family. Christmas is about the coming and the receiving of the greatest gift, which is Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace. And long before his arrival on earth, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, For for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, what is it? Peace. Of 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 the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding, upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. He embodied this thing called shalom, this, this wholeness moment, this bringing everything together, this finding this depth of relationship with Christ. Not about the things we do for Christ or the things we do as a result of, of the way that he has changed our life, but a depth in relationship. And that's what shalom is about, this wholeness with God. Maybe you define shalom in a different way. Even in life, we have different attributes. It's that last piece of the puzzle. It's that championship for the sports fan. It's that that last bit of dessert for the foodie in the room. It's that classic song at the conference or at the concert, excuse me. It's the the whole family together for Christmas. And spiritually speaking, it's that embrace of the coming and receiving of Jesus. And Jesus, interesting as it may sound, Jesus phrases it like this. Jesus is the God who is come to be with us. And he offers this invitation, this Advent season, and it goes like this. In Matthew chapter 11, it's not just Advent, it can be any time received. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is that not an offer of peace? Let those words wash over you for a moment. Is that not an offer of peace, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light? 
You know, in this fourth week of Advent, let me encourage you to look for the Prince of Peace, the person of peace. When the storms come, the winds blow, and the rains come in, and you're, you find yourself maybe even treading water and whatever it might be, you're, you're, you're struggling in every other way, seek out the person of peace. Let us all, uh, let me encourage us all to, to, to come to him, to worship him just as the shepherds did, to find ourselves following his light in the darkness. Church, we need to come to him. I know that there are issues. I know that we're walking through storms because I talk to many of you and I hear your stories and I hear the things you're walking through. And I know the physical afflictions and the, relation, the relationship issues and the job issues and, and the financial issues and all of those things are opportunity for Satan to attempt to try to divert your attention, distract you, and tear you down. When in essence, God's saying all the same, I've already come, I'm already here, I'm already providing a way in the midst of all these things. They don't just disappear, but in the midst of all these things to grant you peace. And so we come back to that first initial question, how do I find peace? And that is this, seek the Prince of Peace. And you can do that in, in many different ways, a couple of tangible ways. I'd even encourage you today, and uh, you, can, you can write these down if you'd like to, just some specific and easy ones. One is just to, to read every single day from the Scripture, and particularly this week. It's a great week to do it as we, as we kind of walk into this moment, this last week leading up to Christmas. If you do the math, if you read four chapters of Luke per day, you'll, you'll read through the whole book and you'll see what the coming of the king is all about. Or maybe if you don't want to read as much, you can read a couple of chapters from Mark every day and you'll find yourself by Christmas reading through those gospels. Another one, this is one that I find beneficial, setting a timer on your phone for a certain time of the day to pause and to pray for God's peace. You know, when we get into a rhythm, we're going from one thing to the next, one meeting to the next, one conversation, one initiative, driving here, driving there, going from one class to the next, whatever it might be. Sometimes we can forget about the fact that God wants us to slow down and to experience Him. And so maybe set an alarm for a couple of times a day just to pause and say a quick prayer of peace, reflecting upon God's presence in your life. Maybe ask this, and ask this first, how can I use the storm I'm in, the situation I'm in, to get to know God greater? Satan will continue to bring that baggage to mind. Remember last week we talked about the baggage we carry around and how it continues to come back again? Satan will continue to put that in our face. Use that as a tool, as an opportunity to be reminded of God's goodness, to be reminded of his presence, to be reminded of the peace that he gives. Oftentimes in prayer we say, God, take this thing away from me, when in essence what he's saying is, I don't want to take it away because I have something I want you to learn in the midst of it. And so the question maybe isn't, God, can you take this situation away? But instead, God, how can I learn to be more like you, to know you in a greater and deeper way in the midst of the storm that I'm walking through? We're going to close this service and this series with a song. It's a simple one, but it reflects upon everything that we know, everything we've experienced this past month. It draws upon, it reflects upon, it touches on the hope that we can hold on to the goodness of God and the goodness of his gospel. It reflects back on the love that he grants and the greatest love that he's ever granted. And that is specifically on this concept of stepping forward and this action of living out the Easter passion for us. It embraces what we talked about last week with the joy of the birthday, the beginning and the start of all of it. And then today, specifically this embrace 
the Christmas carol of peace of the first Noel. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.